2: Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matts and this is Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio, I have killed everybody in the room with those woos. By uh, God, that's
3: Bill Mattson!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew that was coming. I was really happy to find that today. Uh, yeah, The biggest story in Philadelphia hockey is, of course, fans yelling woo uh, after a 45-save performance by Steve Mason last night. Uh, I guess we can't complain about the goalies, so we got to complain about wooing. Uh, we're here at the Wildfire Studios. Big shout-out to uh, WildfireRadio.com, WildfireRadioSports.com. Definitely check them out. Uh, this is my panel for the evening. First and foremost... Charlie O'Connor, how you doing tonight, Charlie? To quote that announcer, "That's the damnedest thing I've ever
0: seen." <laughs> oh, Stephen,
2: Ah, Kelly Hinkle joins us as well.
4: I am back and happy to be here.
2: It's good to have you here, Kelly. Thanks. Last but not least, my broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. Yeah,
4: I was gonna woo, but I don't even have to anymore. <laughs> I, think, I think you killed me, actually, uh, with, with that We're gonna get, into the, we're gonna get so. into the woos,
2: we're gonna get into the woos, we're gonna get into Steve Mason, we're gonna get into that game last night, that huge shootout victory, but first and foremost, we have on the line with us, from Highland Park Hockey, Tony Androkaitis. How you doing tonight, Tony?
5: Good. How are you guys doing tonight?
2: Uh, we're very, very well. Uh, it turns out the Flyers' huge win last night, but the Phantoms did too to close out a huge, a huge November for uh, for the Lehigh Valley Club.
5: Yeah, they did um, up in Toronto. The uh, nice 4-1 finals. Uh, a lot closer than the 4-1 final suggested, but you know, in in late November, getting the two points and the the win is is all you really need, and that's all it's really looked at at the end of the season. So, yeah, I mean, they went eleven and two in November. Uh, you know, one point out of first place. Uh, you know, things are really looking up for them uh, through the first quarter of the season.
2: So they're eight and two in their last ten. They had the eight game winning streak uh, to start the month. They, like you said, they're uh, they're a, they're a point out of first place. This is a big turnaround for a club that's really struggled basically since they've left Philadelphia. Uh, what is, if you could pinpoint it, one reason they've been able to turn it around, uh, basically in one off season?
5: Oh uh, yeah, they, I mean it's no secret they added a ton of scoring in the off season, and you know you mix that in with some of the exciting prospects and you know some of the rookies you have coming in, and um, you know it's it's not hard to see that there's a lot of depth there, and, and the depth is really. You know, wearing opponents down over the course of a game, and when you have four lines that can score and play defense, I mean, you're going to be in it to win it every night. Uh,
2: you you mentioned the off season additions. The one the one that uh, really stands out to me is T.J. Brennan. Uh, he's got 16 points in 19 games on the blue line. Uh, just for what has he brought to the team, and also how come he never really has seemed to get an NHL shot?
5: Yeah, I'm not not sure why he hasn't been able to to get an NHL shot at this point. Uh, If you look at his AHL resume the last, I mean, two of the last three years, he was voted Defensive of the Year for the league. And, you know, he's coming to Lehigh Valley with the same, you know, the same focus, the same mentality that, you know, has brought him success at this level in the past. Uh, You know, I think you mentioned 16 points. He's almost a point per game player through the first quarter of the year. And, you know, if, if his, you know, shots from the point aren't, aren't going in undeflected. They're getting deflected by someone who's racking up, you know, tons of assists. I'm, I'm not sure offhand how many goals he has on the year now, but um, it just seems anytime the puck's on a stick that, you know, offense is not far away.
2: So uh, who else of the uh, couple of veterans that they brought in, the the AHL, you know, some, some basically AHL All-Stars that they brought in, who else is having an impact?
5: Uh, I mean, Greg Carey has been a great addition. uh you know, Scott Gordon always... Talks about wanting guys that could shoot the puck and, you know, Greg Carey gets in those soft spots and finds those good areas to get into and, you know, has a heck of a shot, so he's been a pretty good addition. He leads the team with 10 goals. It's also, if it's not tied for the AHL leader right now, he's, you know, second or 30s. He's at the top for goals. Um, Will O'Neal on the, on the defensive side also is a good addition uh, power play guy that can, you know, move the puck and bring the puck up ice quickly which is you know what the fans have been doing is just you know speed and and bringing the puck up ice and pretty much every guy they've brought in this offseason can do that so they they pretty much had a goal set all along on what they wanted to do
4: can you tell me a little bit more about those two guys i actually met greg carey at the flyers wives carnival and didn't know who he was and now i'm feeling really guilty about that (laughs) as as the leading goal scorer for the phantoms What, what can you tell me about them
5: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, Carey is just that a goal scorer. Um, he was on the sp- Springfield uh, Falcons last season. Uh, I think he had twenty six goals. He was their team leader last year, so uh, not really a surprise that he's scoring goals with, with the you know the players he's around this year. Um, you know, just like a hardworking, likes to get in around the net and likes to sh- obviously likes to shoot the puck. He's you know done that uh, quite often this year. And then um, you you want to know more about Will O'Neill? Yeah. Yeah, O'Neal, he was actually killed the Phantoms last year when he was with the Penguins, the rival team. Um, really good offensive defenseman, could move the puck. Uh, you know, he's been, you know, a staple of the power play for the Phantoms. Their power plays, you know, top five in the league the entire way so far. So um, just a lot of offense from him.
2: So, the, the Phantoms, they're off to, they had a great November. They're winning. That's all well and good. It's important they win. It's great to draw, draw in fans, create some revenue, create some buzz around the AHL squad. But it's not 1980, 1998 anymore. Like, I remember watching Peter White and Sean McCosh and Bruce Coles and they won and that was cool. But the AHL is about development for the Flyers now. So, I've got to ask about, you know, our sacred cows down there. Uh, first, Travis Sandheim. Uh, what can you tell me about how he's coming along?
5: Yeah, I mean, he got in a couple games last year and that was really huge for him. Um, you could tell right from the get-go he's been making plays and then not afraid to step up and join the rush. And, you know, that's sort of one thing they've been preaching to him is, you know, to pick his spots, but also, you know, he could bring the fuck up the ice and, uh, you know, join the rush. And he's just been, sometimes he goes coast to coast. I mean, he he does a lot. And, I mean, it's really impressive when you consider, you know, he's just a rookie. It's really his first full season in the league so um, there's a lot to like there he's you know getting a lot of minutes he's been paired with Sam Moran who I'm sure you're also going to ask about so I mean they're they're gelling and they're playing together and I mean it's, it's good to watch from a an up-and-coming standpoint whereas you know some other guys you might not see right away in the NHL these guys could potentially come up as a you know a pairing next season.
1: Uh, just to jump in on uh, on Sanheim, I, I know the, the general consensus surrounding his game is that he's essentially NHL-ready with the puck. The question was, you know, how would he develop without the puck, particularly in the defensive zone and on the rush? Uh, how has he looked so far in that regard? Because I'm assuming that's where the Flyers want to see improvement before they deem him truly NHL-ready.
5: Yeah, uh, Yeah, I mean, he's had some... Know rookie mistakes, you know, in his own end at times, but that's sort of expected. I mean, I really like, I mean, I guess maybe not the knock, but something that people were concerned about would just be, you know, him adjusting to the physical play and and being a physical guy. And he, I mean, he doesn't look out of place in that regard. He has no problem boxing guys out in front of the net and, you know, winning those puck battles in the corners. So that's always nice to see. Um, Obviously, Moran doesn't have that problem, but, you know, Sandheim is you know, just learning the game and, and really adjusting really well, I think through these first, you know, 19 games. Uh,
1: you mentioned Moran, um, and it seemed like, and this is just purely by following you on Twitter, it seems like he's starting to score some goals recently. Is, is that just kind of a matter of, you know, some of his point shots slipping through, or is he starting to show a little bit more offensively this year?
5: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, lately, yes, he's been scoring and, you know, that's great. But, um, you know, he hasn't, really, he hasn't really talked about his offensive game. He really is focusing just on the defensive side of things. I mean, he's got Samuel, I mean, uh, Travis Sandheim rather, paired with him. So it seems he's been sort of not leading the rush, but maybe, you know, joining the rush and, and not afraid to, you know, pick his spots when he has a chance to shoot. I know uh, in Tuesday's game, his shot got deflected by Martel that ended up being a game winner. But, you know, he's he's been playing really well just in all three zones. And, you know, he's... He's a guy that knows his role and knows that he's getting to the NHL with his, you know, physical defensive style.
2: So uh, those two guys, we can basically, I mean, I think everyone here right now is penciling Sanheim and Moran in to the 2017-18 lineup right now. Uh, is Robert Hagg still kind of considered part of the future? I know uh, everyone's kind of been down on him recently.
5: Yeah, he definitely has, I mean, his first season in the league was sort of skewed in the fact that, you know, he was getting, you know, a lot more minutes, a lot more power play time. So stats were inflated. And uh, I know last year, Scott Gordon really worked with and, you know, adjust fully adjusting him to the North American game. Whereas, you know, he was not maybe making the best decisions last season. They've sort of reworked his game and, you know, he's making the simpler play and sort of getting his game to where it needs to be. Unfortunately, he, Took a, a shot to the face, got a puck out under his visor earlier in the month, so he's just getting back into action now. But I mean, he's uh, you know been a solid five number five defenseman for the Phantom so far. I haven't seen really uh, any deficiencies or any you know falling back to where he was last year.
2: Is that kind of where you think he translates at the next level? Kind of just more of a solid third pairing guy, just someone someone at the bottom of the rotation.
5: Uh Yeah, I mean, he's going to be, you know, a two-way defender that can, you know, still handle the puck and, and bring the puck up ice, but he's going to be relied. I mean, it's not going to be a secret if he's going to make the Flyers. He's going to need to be defensively sound with, you know, the offensive guys they already have up there. But uh, yeah, I think he could complement one of those offensive guys well if he, you know, sticks to his game and, you know, really develops uh, the right way and the way that he needs to this season.
4: I mean, for for me, that sounds concerning. If he's the, the fifth defenseman in Lehigh Valley, how, how is he going to beat out some of the other guys to make it to the NHL?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of depth there now with, you know, Moran and, mm-hmm. and Sandheim, and then they have Bre- uh, Brennan and O'Neal, some veterans. Uh, so, I mean, he's, you know, playing a secondary role right now. But, I mean, you know, that could change in a week or two. There's always, you know, injuries, call-ups, and yep all that fun stuff, so, I mean, he's maybe not getting as large a role as, you know, some people would like, but he's, you know, there and ready, I think, with, he could expand into a larger role, and I don't think there'd be, you know, like, a problem with that.
2: Speaking of uh, call-ups, Tony, uh, Anthony Stellaris recently uh, got his NHL debut last week, uh, played played pretty well, but was having a hell of a season uh, with the Phantoms, made the All-Star team last year, and uh, Alex Lyon has since taken over, and he's been just as good. Uh, What can you tell us about this kid, who the Flyers signed him last year, and basically uh, erased a year off his ELC to keep him?
5: Yeah, I mean, after the first two games, there probably a lot of people saw the stats and were maybe concerned, but um, I I know Scott Gordon talked about it too, and I kind of agree with the fact that the two games he did play were not very good situations for a young goalie to, to be successful. I know he played at the end of a weekend, uh, for, I think his second start was at the end of a, a three-game weekend, so that the guys in front of him were a little tired and maybe a little sluggish and not mentally sharp. But, I mean, since then, yeah, since Stolarz has been called up and he's been you know the starter, he's been in much more routine. And you could sort of you could see that with each and every game, that he's getting a lot more comfortable.
2: All right, Tony. Uh, who who do you think is the uh, most NHL-ready Flyers prospect you've seen so far this season down in Lehigh Valley?
5: Um, I'm not sure if he. I mean, he still has entry-level contract, so I guess I would consider him still a prospect. I just think Taylor Lear would probably fit that category for me right now. I That's love a, as Taylor as far Lear. as being ready. Just, I mean, he's going to be a two-way guy at the NHL level and. He could do pretty much everything in the AHL right now. So I don't see, I mean, he could get more experience, but I don't see how he's going to be learning too much more in the AHL.
2: All right, I, I just have one last question for you. That's, I, I like Taylor Lear a lot. I really like that pick. I like how he translates into what kind of player he could be, a really useful guy in the NHL. But we all thought, uh, we were all told on draft day you know, in 2013 that Tyrell Goldborn was going to play in the NHL one day. Uh, he got in a fight for the Reading Royals tonight, won the fight, which was nice. But is he just not even good enough for the AHL?
5: Um, I don't think it's that. I think there's just so much depth right now that, I mean, no one expected. I I mean, at least I didn't expect Scott Long to be with the Phantoms too long. And obviously he's already back up. And, you know, you have some other guys that are still in the AHL. I thought maybe there'd be some, uh, you know, more call-ups to the Flyers to get these guys in. But, I mean, I think he still has a chance to play in the NHL. I know that sounds crazy with, you know, him being in Reading right now. But, I mean, just the way he plays the game when he plays it consistently, you know that physical, in your face, all over the place kind of. I mean, I, I think there's a role for that in the NHL, and I think you could, you know, still find that role.
2: That's 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 good to hear. Uh, I love that kind of hockey. That's my kind of hockey. I was excited to see. Like I, I, I love the fights. So that's just part of the game I love. But uh, Tony, thanks a lot for being with us. Tell us about your uh, tell us about your GoFundMe and how people how people can contribute.
5: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I cover, you know, have Valley Phantoms hockey in Allentown. I've been, you know, all across the East Coast and, you know, I try to get to as many games as I can. So, I mean, it gets expensive. I mean, I'm just running an independent website. So everything obviously is coming from me, but any little bit is, you know, really appreciated. Um, you know, it helps me, you know, bring this coverage. And I know, you know, there are people that are, you know, commenting and liking and, you know, sharing that kind of stuff. And that's really awesome. I mean, it's, I really appreciate that kind of support. And I mean, I like doing this and I'd love to, you know, to do it as much as I can. So that's pretty much why it got started. And hopefully we can keep it going.
2: That's, oh, go ahead, Steph.
4: And tell people where they can find you.
5: Oh yeah. Um, on Twitter, obviously, at Tony Androck. Um, our website, Highland Park Hockey, is on Google's blogger network. So it'll be highlandparkhockey.blogspot.com.
2: Thanks a lot, Tony. Uh, we're going to have you back sometime before the end of this season. Uh, great hearing from you, and ha- have a great night.
5: Thanks. You too, guys. Thanks for having me on anytime. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. Thanks, Tony.
2: Well, that was positive. I Like, you know...
4: I knew that the Phantoms had had a really killer November. I didn't realize two. it was eleven yeah. and two. Holy
2: crap! It was it was news when they actually like because they had that winning streak. It was news when they actually lost. And, and like I say all the time, I was a like I, I couldn't afford Flyers tickets when I was a kid. My dad and I went to Phantoms games. Like Same. I love the Phantoms, yeah. and uh, it's good to see like they're not a laughing stock at this point. They actually invested in it. They're you they're using it to develop, but they actually have these kids. With some veterans, so it's it's good to see that that organization's coming around as well. It seemed like a pet project for Hextall this off season, and it seems to have worked out for him.
4: Well, it's part of what equals a, a successful major league team is you need to actually develop talent. You can't just rely on free agent signings, and yeah, and you
3: you can't just have a bunch of kids down there running around. You need some yeah. guys who are you know AHL regulars who play down there who can help them develop their game. So it's nice to see. Yeah, I
1: I was just happy that, because, like, with the amount of talent they added to that lineup like they should not have gotten off to the bad start they did and I was getting concerned I was thinking man you know is, is Gordon the right guy because they have so much talent they should not be playing this poorly and it was nice this month to see them finally I guess either get the hang of his system or just click as a team and just start rolling because you look at that roster from top to bottom and you think to yourself man if this team's bad then the rookies must be really bad because yeah, we know the vets are good
2: it's both <laughs> high like end it's, level. it's both high end prospects and like seasoned AHL guys who just know how to score at that level. And we talked about those kinds of players last week. Like I think we referenced like a Peter White, but like uh, like a, a Jason Ackeson who's just going to put 25 in at that level because he's got that kind of skill. Can't skate in the NHL, but can do that kind of thing.
4: Which it seems like that's what Jordan Wheel is turning out to be. But maybe not. He might be able to contribute at the NHL <laughs> level. We just don't know because he hasn't... Been given the chance.
2: Speaking of the NHL level, there was a Flyers game last night in the sport called hockey. There have
4: been quite a few games since our last show, which was well before Thanksgiving. Uh, what
2: was it five games since our last show? The Flyers have fare, uh, fared pretty well. They're what three and two? That's yeah. That's about. I mean, it's right where their record is. At what? What are they? 11, 10 and three. Yeah. So that's who they are. But last night was the the shootout thriller that went <laughs> on
4: for a very long time. <laughs> that see yeah. Now, I would not have not wanted to miss Ghost on the shootout because they were using Giroux 14 times.
2: I would have rather just win it with Giroux.
4: No, oh, you're nuts. No, absolutely not. I liked <laughs> going, going through the whole Some of us bunch. had
2: deadlines, Steph.
4: Well, that sounds like a you problem.
2: <laughs> I didn't really have a deadline, but I know Charlie did. Uh, he has, you know, a job that he has to get to. It was a late night. It was definitely a late night, but, uh, it you know. It comes with a job. It comes with the benefit of getting to go to games for free, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Flyers Fancy. the flyers weren't particularly great last night, but uh, good old Stevie Mason was. How stone about cold. that? 45 stops. He was stone cold. Uh, dominated. I think he listens to the show and was motivated by me.
3: It, I think so. It had to be that.
4: It couldn't have been
2: yeah, anything. I, I cannot think something.
4: of any other reason. No.
2: But he made it. He made a bunch of he made a bunch of shorthanded saves, which were important. Uh, yeah. Uh, one out of nine scored in the shootout. Now I think I think ice had a lot to do with that. Uh, there was a lot of net missing. But he made some because j- it's
4: eighty degrees in November. I
2: I agree that had that was the problem. But he made some huge saves in that shootout. Made some huge saves in the game. So are we are we back to believing in Steve Mason? I never did never
4: doubted him, buddy. He was underperforming, but I always figured he'd get it together. Yep. And it's it's
3: just curious that he's gotten it together after playing a string of games. It's almost like playing one goalie consistently is better than juggling them is, for it, no it, apparent reason. Is this true? It I might mean, be. There yeah. w-
2: I agree that goalies need to get on a roll, but mm-hmm. it wasn't for no apparent reason that well, they, were no, they were juggling them. They were juggling them because neither they was were playing well. Exactly.
3: Well, you You had l- to
2: pick one. And lose? No. No, that's... No. You can't... Mason lets in five, so we're going to play him the next night, too? Like, you can't do that. Well,
4: also, let them finish out a game. Bill, there, there nice. was a whole string where goalies were getting pulled after they let they in a goal. Because they were getting
2: crushed. They were not getting crushed. We're talking two goals. In a period, That's bad. You need to give your team so, like no, a, like no
4: don't don't defend don't defend that move because when it happened we, we were on the show was, yelling yeah. about how it was stupid coaches so don't, will
2: often pull the goalie because they need to spark the team okay but four to games in, game. in a row play bull, better
4: no it's bullshit is what it is Charlie's being very quiet. <laughs>
1: I was just waiting for the the sparks to go down. <laughs> so I, I it's gonna my, be a wild Charlie.
4: We don't know what that word means around here.
1: Um, but no, it's nice to see Mason. It, yes, I agree that we expected him to improve, but when it comes down to it, like, he still has to go out there and improve. Like we can say to ourselves that, well, you know, his previous record says he's going to be better, but. Goalies are weird. Sometimes their previous record doesn't mean anything and they just have an awful season and it happens. So, it's nice to see him get it back going and I'm I'm far from someone who tries to psychoanalyze goaltenders, but it does seem like Mason is the kind of guy where when he's just basically told this is your job, run with it, he just seems to play better and maybe he's not Looking, You could say maybe not looking over his shoulder. Maybe it was just random. Maybe he just needed time to work through his issues and figured it out, and then he was set. But it does seem like he plays very well when he knows that no one's going to be coming in the next game. So he had a much better November than October. Uh, in, in October, his save percentage was a horrific 878. In November it was nine eleven, which isn't good. Never forget. Never forget. But it's <laughs> not good. But it's certainly nowhere near not eight seven eight. Like not even close to that. And he's trending upwards. And really, the same thing happened. Um, the same thing happened last year. Like he had a, a bad October, a better November, and then he had a fantastic uh, twenty sixteen. So you're hoping that this kind of mirrors that, except just with a you know starting out from a lower point than he did last year.
2: Why? Why? Why do they have a team of slow starters? Like
4: what? Maybe they're lazy.
2: <laughs> Ouch!
4: I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't have how a good answer. This
2: happened now several years in a row, and like two years in a row, it mirrors the in in net like the issues that they had. I I, I just is there an explanation for it, or is it just goalies are weird? I think, and, it, I think it's just random because like if you if you go back through the years, so what. The first year where
1: they had the quote-unquote slow start was the year that Laviolette got fired a week of the season. Then the next year was Baruby just not being that good. That was wonderful. Then the next year was them getting used to Haxtell. And then this year, the team was playing decent, but the goalies were playing terribly. So, like, it's not one issue that happens every year. It's always, like, a new explanation as to why they're struggling in the beginning of
2: the year. They're so going to be 12-0 in October next year. Man, that would be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I would love that so much. Uh there yeah. was a there was an interesting there was an interesting thing I thought uh Mason said after the after the Rangers game that I want to know I just want to know how you feel about it cuz oh, it's I have thoughts. it wasn't what he said wasn't untrue but Goalies are so often saved from any and all criticism when he says, we had a couple of mistakes where guys were left alone in front. We have to clean those up because it cost us, and it cost us more than one game. Is that too much from the goaltender? No. Uh, He comes out and then plays great, so it doesn't matter what he said. But I... It's news if a... If a coach goes in front of the media and says, "Ah, yeah, we got to make those saves." Like even if they lost six nothing and like the the goalie was bad, it's news. A player, a skater will never criticize his own netminder. Like is it is it is that just the way goalies are? They get to say things even though no one can talk about them?
3: Well, I think that no one talks about them and I think we've kind of made this comparison before to like pitchers. No one talks about them because they're all crazy. Mm, <laughs> Goalies okay. are all crazy. They're fragile little flowers, and you can't mess with their confidence. So no one says anything about their goaltender because they don't want to put any, you know, bugs in their ear about them being bad, and then they go crazy because they're mental cases. Sure.
2: Now, yeah, And Thero Nitamaki walks off the ice in the middle of a playoff game. Or not Nittimaki. It was, che- it was Chechmonic. <laughs> Chechmonic. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. I think that if any other player had called out the defense for having a bad game, we would call it leadership. But sure. we're we're saying
4: something bad about it because it's Steve Mason and I.
3: I
2: just want to know because
4: I think it's fine. Yeah, I think it's fine too because it's not like he pointed to Andrew McDonald and was like, "Dude, you're terrible." Yeah. That if would they, be funny. If, it would be that funny. That would have been awesome. But if I if I kid after you, if. <laughs> if if the players do that to the goaltender, yeah. it is that finger-pointing that you suck. They're not going to do that. They're, they'll point to a crew and be like, no, no, man, not you, them. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind say, of.
1: I'll say that it can be a problem. I don't think it's a problem here, and, and I'll, I'll explain why, but it can be. like I think so much of this comes down to the relationship the goalie has with the team. So, for example, if Briz would have said that, it would okay. have been a problem because okay. a lot of people on the team did not like Briz. So, like, it sparked something because he has become a polarizing figure in the locker room and then he, he quote-unquote, calls out his team and they get mad. Steve Mason is, like, from everything I've been able to gather, he's beloved in the locker room. Okay. The, the team loves him. I thought so I remember sp- They hearing- respect the hell out of him. At least this, this is the impression that I get from talking to the players. So... I don't think they would take this in a negative way. I think they would take this as he's just echoing what we're hearing in okay. every single team meeting from the coaches. All right. But I do agree that it could. It it does it doesn't come off great, but I don't think it's a problem because I think Mason has enough respect in the locker room that he can get away with it. I don't think every goalie could get away with that. I think Mason can.
2: I just I thought I remembered hearing, and it came from probably one of our favorite writers in in the world, uh, Leia Season, that, one of the best writers, yeah, one of the all time great writers uh, that. Mason is not disliked, but Michael Neuvert was like beloved in a lot like he was just a guy everyone seemed to gravitate towards. I, th- I think not- I like both of them. Okay. Like,
1: I-, I think a lot of the-, the loyalty to Mason came from not last year but the year before because that year was the year Mason was great and the team was garbage mm-hmm. and a lot of the guys who were there that year which is most of the team still remember that he bailed them out like every single night and never once blamed them for anything.
2: Uh, when you have a-, a depiction of your teammates on your your helmet I assume the relationship is good yeah, like you don't always One
4: would think. You don't yeah. always
2: see that. Not every goalie has, you know, Claude Drew and Jake Voracek on their helmet. That's that's a surprise. Uh, I do. But there was another goalie we talked about, Anthony Stolarz, Stolarz the goalie, Stolarz the goalie. Stolarz. 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 I
4: Stolarz. I hate how you say his name. Yeah.
2: I'm from Jersey. That's how we it. I'm
4: from Jersey too, and it's Stolarz. Which is where he was here. Oh, did it's he Another Jersey guy. Well, they're South Jersey. I'm from North Jersey yeah, where Anthony Stolarz is
2: from. It's not a real place. It's it's just not little right. New York. Yeah. It's uh, anyway, a he won. A farm
4: uh, he, town. he
2: beat Calgary. He beat Calgary five to three. Uh, what did we think for for the guy's NHL debut? You know, he let in that soft goal. Uh, there was a couple
4: soft goals, but the one that was really inexcusable was the first goal that he let in. All right, fine. It's he his has his the first old NHL game. He was, he, was he was good. He was good. He was good.
3: You know what? He was good. But to be honest, to be perfectly honest, when he let in that soft goal I felt a huge relief because I know that if he had played (laughs) lights out if he had completely (laughs) shut it down it would have been an insufferable week here in the city of oh absolutely the show I I would have murdered Bill (laughs) probably the show I would have
2: written for tonight would be vastly different (laughs) none of
4: us would have showed up (laughs) maybe Charlie Charlie's night. if (laughs) if it wasn't for that
2: 45 save performance last night I would have been calling to trade them both Uh, (laughs) but uh, he he made some huge Huge saves in the second period. Uh, He has the all-time best 5-on-5 save percentage in the history of the league. Uh, The three goals he allowed, uh, two shorthanded and one on the power play. So... A thousand percent. Wow, it's pretty good. <laughs> that's incredible. Somebody tweeted that at me. I think trying to throw in my face my use of statistics. Oh yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you can make
3: you sure say you're made up. You yeah, yeah. But I just thought
2: it was funny because I'm not an imbecile, so I knew that that person was making a
4: joke. Well, <laughs> oh boy. Well, oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't. Charlie,
2: do. you wrote something. Uh, you wrote something funny that I asked. Was this? Were you? directing this at me he says this isn't meant to be critical of Stolar's. Stolars. Stolars. he truly earned his victory but he is still essentially a goalie prospect with room to improve yes yeah and, and I, I go
1: on to say the Flyers have a promising young goalie with a ton of potential here. Just be careful not to overrate him in the here and now due to Philadelphia's current goalie issues, which is exactly the way resolved. I believe. Yeah. Which, I mean, it wasn't directed towards you specifically, it was directed towards, <laughs> like, you know, the, the general populace of people who were screaming that we need to call up Stollars because Neuvert and Mason are trash. So, the wooers, yeah, so the
3: wooers, Bills <laughs> the people and build people like Bill. the people for whom I speak. <laughs> you but, mean the people, the who, voice of a city, ladies
4: and gentlemen, the, the people who aren't listening to our podcast?
3: Oh, they listen! Oh, they no,
2: listen! That's <laughs> that's it's, a, it's, a, it's this, everyone listened to Howard Eskin for years. Come on, I'm not that much under people's skin already. Look, Storch had a good game, and he won the wow. game. Granted, the team
1: played incredible in front of him, but. He had a good game, and we should be happy that he had a good game because there's a very good chance that Stolarz will be the backup next year. And Calgary's big To whatever goalie that they pick to be the starter or if they sign somebody or whatever. Like, There's a good chance he's going to be in the NHL all year next year. So we want him to be good. It's just that when Neuver comes back, he's, he's probably going, going to go back, to back AHL, down, and yeah. that's totally fair because he does still need to work on some stuff. And as I said, we can't just say... Hey, he's killing it in the AHL. Our goalies are being terrible. Okay, Stolarz. Here, Take try to take the job and run with it. Like We can't do that just because we're angry at our starting goalies. We need to be a little bit more patient with our guys, as we're seeing with Mason, because now Mason has seemingly figured things out, and we didn't want to do anything panic mode because you want to give these guys a chance to figure things out. And it seems like Mason has. Hopefully, Neuvert will when he comes back.
4: And, you know, Charlie, the Phantoms need to win games, too. Yeah, it's,
2: it's true. It's important. I think, the like, underrated, the big, the most important part of the Neuvert injury is getting to see more of Lyon and assessing him. I agree. Because I agree. he's an RFA yeah. after this year. Yeah. And
4: you need Who to, is his backup down You need to figure out
2: this. Uh, Olette was up, right? And I think so. And someone else is now, because I think I saw he got sent down to the ECHL again. But, okay, so so, but this is Lyon's job. And yeah, this yeah, it's his, his, his next shot yeah, at, yeah. The, uh, at the start uh, of the Speaking of next year, I know I'm looking way ahead here. But at what point do they have to make a decision about uh, Mason and Neuvert's contracts for next year? Because it's not only they don't have a starting goaltender. They need to be able to expose somebody to this expansion draft so they don't lose Stolarz. Here's the thing. Stolarz.
4: I, I think it really drives me nuts. I can't
2: I- help it, Steph.
4: <laughs> this
3: is the thing. Like I, I understand that Stolarz... Has value, but I'm one. Like, why do we just assume that if Stolarz is unprotected, he's getting taken? I don't think
1: he's going to get taken. Meaning,
3: I it just it just I seems think, like everyone in Philly worry that he might. I mean, I I think it's obviously it's a worry. Yeah, but I just feel like there's going to be at least two better options for Las Vegas than Anthony Stolarz. They
2: have to take three goalies. Okay, and I think it's just kind of an organizational message. Like he's a big
4: guy. Hey, like, kid, physically.
2: Big. Hey, he's got a ton of it Hey, kid, you're a second round pick. You've been in an organization. Uh, you know, you're, you've made the AHL All Star Game probably two years in a row now. Uh, we're gonna leave you unprotected and maybe lose you for nothing. No, well, they would be dumb. To, that's a, I, like a message arguing. I don't want. We just yeah. talked about how goalies are insane. Yeah, I don't want to send that message to him. That's and, totally fair. Knowing that Lyon is might be better than him, and Carter Hart that. is. Amazing, hearing it yeah. up. That, that's the. Mm-hmm. Key it might to the not thing. matter.
1: It might not matter at all. And and I like Stolarz a lot. Yeah, I think he could be a starting goalie in the NHL. But when you have Alex Lyon who's looking pretty good, when you have Carter Hart who's killing it, when you have Sandstrom in the in the uh, in the Swedish league who's been yeah, okay, yeah, and you have you have Madsen who's been doing well at Harvard. Like you have a lot of goalie prospects. So would it suck to lose Stolarz for nothing? Yeah, it would suck. But. Do you really want to protect him and then take your chances on signing a guy in, in free agency? And if you can't convince anybody, then still ours is your number one. Like That's the other option you have if you don't protect Mason or Neuvert or whoever you you retain. And it, to answer your question about when they're going to make a decision, I still think they're going to sign back one of Mason or Neuvert before the yeah. end of the year. Like, yeah. I, I just don't see Hextall going into the offseason with his goaltending situation totally up in the air. Mm-hmm. But a lot no of this way. comes down to how the guys play. Right now, Mason looks pretty good. How's he going to look in January? We don't know. Like, How is Neuver going to look in January? We, we just don't know yet. But I can't imagine they keep Stollars or protect Stollars, And they're just going to hope that he doesn't get taken and okay. then he can
2: go, go in as the backup.
4: They, they protect one goalie or two?
2: One. You can protect one goaltender, yeah. Uh, I don't know
4: why I thought it so, was two. So, so Dave Hackstall...
2: Uh, I mean, we've made it a running joke on this show. What are you doing? What are you? Doing?
4: I wasn't kidding. I was uh, very, not very not serious.
2: This, this is not I'm, a joke. I'm a really wondering. segment. Yeah, that's sure. sure. And questioning if some some of his decisions is one thing. I've seen a lot of people saying he's just not the coach for this team, and they need to get rid of him.
4: Well, people are crazy. Sure. Yeah, that's let's, crazy. let's let's just operate under that general rule. People are nuts. But it the the honeymoon period has ended like we are now looking at the decisions that he's making with without the rose colored rose tinted glasses is that the saying so it, it's okay to question the decisions that he's making it's okay to not like some of the decision, decisions that he's making and it's also okay to defend some of the decisions that he's making but to say after one year that the coach needs to be fired that's a little reactionary, just a little bit off the deep end for me.
2: It's a, uh, you know, I'm I'm a reactionary over the deep end kind of person. No. What
4: I would never <laughs> have guessed that in but my life.
2: Looking at the organizational direction, I think the way we're investing in these prospects and looking at the long term view, uh, it's not about Hackstall being Mike Babcock right now. It's about maybe having the next great coach. And he's got to develop the same way Ghost and Provorov and Konechny do. Like, nobody is the best coach in the league day one. You know, we're at game 150 of Dave Haxtell's career, you know? Like, it's... So I'm taking a step back from the thing, and I don't think yeah it's I don't think he's committed any fireable offenses, oh no, however, Andrew what? McDonald constantly in this lineup it, uh, right now because of the injuries and everything sure it, he's in for Michael Delzado several games in a row that's insanity. I can like, see, it's indefensible, and I can see how people who pay for tickets are like, yo, bro, you're putting out a worse team, yeah, like the ticket price doesn't go down when 47's in the lineup
3: right like i I mean the whole we're sending messages things to our pl- Okay, okay. Okay, I get it. Long term, maybe you think it's better for Ghost if you sit him a game to teach him some kind of lesson about being bad and having a mustache. But- oh, God, his
4: mustache <laughs> is so bad. Like, but- Angel, I
3: love you, but oh, God, I can't wait for December 1st. I know some good beards, and he's not capable yet. But anyway... Um, yeah, so... <laughs> I've lost my train, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sorry
4: but, I cut you off. Yeah, yes, what are you
3: doing right now? The, I, I have a phone Her phone with case is incredible. Oh, okay. And I'm just right, playing yeah. with it. Right. So, yeah, but his job is to ice the best team. His job is to win hockey games and putting Andrew McDonald out over Michael Delzato or putting Schultz out over Ghost for whatever reason you're not icing your best team and that's a problem.
2: Now the theory the theory on Andrew McDonald that made its way around was they were readying him for the expansion draft. And, Charlie uh, shut that right down. Charlie.
1: Wrote, no that was Kurt. That was
2: all Kurt. Don't. OK. Oh I was just assuming
4: Charlie was sitting everything. on a train and said I need to put an end to this <laughs> Kurt, now.
2: Kurt was rolling this weekend. He Kurt, was pumping out content like crazy. Kurt R who, jur- who joined the show last week and placed. Kelly uh, wrote a great article, basically dispelling that notion that yes, it could be possible that they're they're making him the se- the what, forty seventy guy, but it's. If they want to protect Brandon Manning, sure, but he's definitely, like, they don't have to play him to to not have to protect him, basically. It, it just seems, the, the argument that was going around social media, and still
1: to a degree is, is basically that the Flyers know that McDonald is bad, but the reason why they're playing McDonald is because they really want to keep Manning, and... My problem with that line of thinking is that you're basically saying that Ron Hexel and Dave Haxel are intentionally making it harder for a team that's already on the playoff bubble to make the playoffs this year because they want to keep Brandon Manning, who is a third-pairing third, part, a third pairing NHL defenseman. At best. At best, when you have Travis Sanheim, Sam Moran, who we talked about earlier in the show, you have Phil Myers, who might be with the team next oh, yeah. year, at least has an off chance of being with the team. Like You have guys that will be... Pushing a Brandon Manning, hopefully, out of the lineup in two years. Yeah. So why are you making it harder for your team to make the playoffs by intentionally playing Andrew McDonald to keep a Brandon Manning? That's why, to me, the the concept is kind of ridiculous. Especially because there <laughs> there are other ways to do it. Like if they listen re- to you being all nice, if they really want to keep Manning, though, like you could. Sign Schultz to a one-year deal and just park him in as the seventh defenseman or the eighth defenseman. You could trade for someone. Like there are other ways. There's gonna be a lot of a lot of player movement going on at the deadline, I think, this year, as teams prepare for the draft. There's gonna be a lot of player movement going on in the offseason before the draft as teams try to figure this whole thing out. So if the Flyers really want to keep Brandon Manning, they can find a way to do it. This, in my mind, is just a case of Hackstall thinking, for whatever reason, that Andrew McDonough helps his team win more than Del Zotto in his current making mistakes and flopping around like a starfish on the ice form, yeah. which
3: I'm, yeah, isn't, isn't a totally
1: insane thing. Like I disagree with it, but... We've we watched Delzato play. Like, he wasn't looking very good. No, he was no, not. No, he wasn't.
4: But he still looked better than Andrew McDonald. I, I agree. That is correct.
1: But it's not a completely insane thing that you right. can watch Delzato be terrible against, what was it, the Lightning in that one game and think, yeah. man, I need to get this guy out of the lineup. Like, I can see the logic there. I don't agree with it, but I don't think it's totally insane.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we have to accept that he's playing Andrew McDonald. Because he thinks Andrew McDonald is good at hockey. Wh- which is where I think my problem with it lies. Like, he thinks Chris Vandevelde is good at hockey. He thinks Andrew McDonald... has been
2: great recently. All right. I love him. He had a good ice. game. It's been, okay. Claude Chirrut just got engaged.
4: Games. Did he? Like, oh. like right now, Claude <laughs> Chirrut just got engaged. Oh, Bless. Good for Claude.
1: Yeah. Good for the captain. Sorry,
4: so, continue. Like, yeah, so um <laughs> man, you keep
3: just like derailing me. I am the with worst. With glitter and now I'm, rings. I'm freaking I'm terrible. terrible. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's it's just that, like when you take a deep dive into this whole, they're playing Andrew McDonald for this reason. It's like flat, or it's like nonsense. It's too crazy. They're not playing Andrew McDonald for some crazy convoluted reason. They're playing him because they think he's better.
2: It's the disconnect of, it can't be this, so it yeah, must exactly. be this.
3: Right, and it's not. Dave yeah. Haxall thinks that playing Andrew McDonald makes no. his team better, and I that's bad.
2: I was looking at the lines that they, they used against Calgary and then again against Boston, and I said this before the Boston game. I really, really liked the versatility and balance of the lineup, uh that they used against Calgary. Turns out Calgary's just pretty bad.
4: Uh, well, they're <laughs> and, also missing a lot of players. The Flyers
2: got shellacked last night. The they won, but yeah, yes, the, 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 the got skaters shellacked. got shellacked. The skaters got shellacked last night and uh, kind of took the shine off that. And or, uh, Braden Shen is now uh, back up to the second line. He's replacing Nick Cousins. He's centering Konechny and Simmons. Uh, Raffle looks like he's staying up on the top line. But I love Michael Raffle. I do, too. I really That's wish he would have buried that goal last night, though. Yeah. Oh, that was bad. He painful. was just... Oh, just right off the heel. Just,
4: I think ah! I think I am going to start a movement. I want Michael Roffle to come with me to my work holiday party. I want to. Start oh, that I thought movement. you were going to say Michael, it of Michael
1: Roffle is a snarky dude. So I know. I think I you think, would get along with him. well. I, I
4: think I would appreciate that a lot. <laughs> okay. I am going to start. I am not going to say it. I am starting this movement.
2: What do we uh, What do we think about the lineup as it was and the adjustments they've made? I I thought it was fine. I I, I don't even mind Shen
1: swapping with Cousins just because. Cousins hasn't shown much in the offensive zone. He's like, a guy
2: I wanted to like, you know, stick yeah. up for and I believed in him kind of and he makes that he makes that Carter trade look even better, but uh it's We just he looks rough. like he looks like a bottom six center. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. what he looks like and they, they gave
1: him an opportunity a, a short opportunity to show that hey, maybe he can be more than a bottom six center and I just don't he's good in the defensive zone in terms of getting the puck out of the defensive zone. Very good at that. He's not amazing in coverage, he's not great in puck battles, and he isn't able to replicate what Couturier can do down low on the attack, helping the cycle game. Can't do it. Shen's been bad this year, but Shen in the past has been pretty good. He's so, better than Nick Cousins. Yeah, like, like you, would, you would think that Shen's ceiling is significantly higher, and you're hoping that, well, maybe he can get back to that faster by playing with Travis connecting and Wayne Simmons than playing you like would with Beamoff and Vandervelde. You're hoping.
2: Yeah, uh, I just, I, I liked the pairing of Lubimov and Shen. I thought, like, a, a guy like Shen, who I, I wish did more, but, like, Lubimov does all those little things that, yeah. that you need, and Shen is good at putting the puck in the net, and, like, no, he's not creating offense too much, but, uh, like, Lubimov could at least help in that regard, God, I guess. God,
3: lubby has got a stick, right? I love oh, Lubby. Oh, God, he's been so uh, He good. can't,
2: I mean,. You can't. Well, didn't- if he has a bad week, if he sits for a game, whatever. But as he's currently playing, he's better than what they would replace him with. Well, or didn't sure. Haxtell
4: say that when he was scratched, like he didn't do anything wrong?
2: Yeah, it was it was actually bizarre because
1: it was the game, it was the Calgary game. So before the Calgary game, I wasn't there for this, but he gave an interview um, before the game started, basically saying that uh, there was no there was no specific reason why we scratched, we scratched Lee Beam off. Like he played well, he's impressed us. We love the kid, but it's basically just a numbers game. I and mean, we had guys that need to be in the lineup. And, and Chris
2: Vandenfeldy has to be in the lineup, has to be in the lineup, obviously.
1: But he said that before the game. And then after the game, after the beam off, had a great game. Uh, like, every single player in the locker room was raving about the guy. Like, Simmons says, yeah, he's got an amazing work ethic. And then the next question, the follow-up question to Voracek was, like, you know, Wayne Simmons said this guy's a great work ethic. And basically, Voracek said, yeah, he's the hardest worker I've ever seen. Like, you hear that kind of stuff from the leadership of your team. And you're just like, well, how can you take this guy out of the lineup? Like, you, you
2: can't, right? I just love can. that. I just love that uh, Lubby and, uh, and Provorov are dispelling the notion of the lazy Russian. Yeah. I love that they're like these what hard it, work.
3: 1972?
4: <laughs> people like still people buy thought, it, 1972?
2: 2009, like people yeah. thought.
4: You know, like... Nah. What is all over your arm? Is it Oh, Twitter? it's a
2: note to myself for, late, for the end of the show.
4: Like, literally all up and down his arm.
2: Yeah. I'm it's ex- a note to myself for That's the wonderful. end of the show. Thanks, oh, yeah. Steph.
4: Good job. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm sorry I yeah. derailed the conversation. All over the place yeah. tonight. You know,
2: it is what it is. I
4: couldn't not uh, ask... I, we're talking Lubby and, and the Russians, yeah. And then I believe you were trying to transition into Provorov.
2: I was trying to transition yep. into Provorov. See, I can Thank bring us still. right back. You guys are uh, great at segues. They they got him. They 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 put him with Pro with with. No, they didn't put Provorov with Provorov. They put him with that. Good, be it, pretty pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Two Provorov, I wouldn't one. hate that. They put him with they put him with Radko, and that's kind of a pairing uh, we've all thought was w- could be really good and. It wasn't last night. It was really good against Calgary, yeah. And then
1: it was bad last night. You give him a chance to work things out. I think it's a pairing on paper that looks looks like it makes sense.
2: And Boston's yeah. top six is really
1: strong. Yeah,
4: well, that, they they need some time to build some chemistry. Yeah. Like two games isn't quite enough.
1: And Provorov was. Basically, what you had happen last night, in my opinion, is you had Gudis, who's already a spotty passer, had a bad passing game. And Provorov, who's usually a great passer, had a bad passing game. So you had no one on on that pairing that could really move the puck and it was kind of a disaster. But you expect that Provorov will improve, because he's been the best puck mover, in my mind, even better than Ghost this year mm. in the defensive zone. Maybe not carrying the puck up ice, but in terms of just getting it out of the defensive zone efficiently and effectively, I think he's been better than Ghost this year. And then you have Gudis, who has his moments. He's you know He has good games and bad, but he definitely usually has better games than the one he had last night. Yeah,
2: okay. Uh, I cannot take, I just can't take McDonald's with ghost anymore? Well, you know, oh, it's killing me. I'm fine. If we're going to say he belongs in the lineup, especially now if the injury, okay. I can't do it. It's well, just I'll, I'll throw this out to the group ghost.
1: though. Like, I agree, it's frustrating as hell to watch him with ghost. Even though McDonald was good last night, he was. Prep, props I, to him. There. Very good. Yes, but I'll throw this out to the group. If not ghost, who did who do you put McDonald Strike. with? If he has to be in the lineup, who's he with? Strike.
4: Oh God! So then, it's just a black hole that's on the so ice. Have, like, yep, my top, parent, my top two pairs are Prycek really again. good. My just top two pairs are really good. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're just going to give up a goal again. every time that these two are on the ice together.
2: I would honestly roll four and then just mix those guys in, kind of whenever. That's, I that's what I would do. I wouldn't like, hate that. I, I wouldn't is, it would be better than. It's a playoff sliding? thing. Like you don't do no, it in the regular no, season.
1: But McDonald has seemingly jumped him on the on the depth chart. Schultz is basically the eighth defenseman at this point.
4: See, I. Oh God! It's like I'm gonna vomit these words. But I would rather play Schultz than McDonald's would you? oh For sure. Yeah. I wouldn't actually. Yeah. I, I
1: think I would too.
4: So. <sighs> See, Charlie's agreeing, so that's how you know. We're because right. Andrew McDonald, really nice guy, not good hockey <laughs> Plays player. Hard, loves the game. Loves yeah, the game. Tries hard. Um, he just finds a way to surprise you every game
1: with a fuck up. He played well last night. And, and you know what? That's if you watch last night's game, that that's the surprise. That, that's that, surprise. That, but that is the reason, the exception that why makes the rule there. McDonald plays, and it's the, it's the upside he's it's, it's of he's capable of playing. well. The, he's capable of that once in a blue moon. Sure, Schultz is not like like Schultz can play good defensively, and Schultz can you know box people out of the out of the slot and prevent high danger chances. But he's not going to make the plays that McDonald was able to make last night. Now McDonald regularly does not make those plays, right. and I think that was an anomaly. No, I but, saw but step
2: up on his own like on the point to deny zone exits like two yeah, or three times it was, like it was he amazing. doesn't do that it was amazing
1: yeah. but like that's where coaches get sucked into a guy like McDonald, because he does have skills. He has skills that you see in practice. He has puck skills. He has some speed. Like, he has something of a shot. Like, you watch him play in practice as a coach, and you watch flashes in-game, and you think to yourself, well, you know, he, he could be good. You know, this, guy, this guy's okay. And then he is a disaster for 10 straight games. But, like, you can see why coaches start to think, hey, this guy's not too bad.
2: Okay. I, I get it, like that, like especially with Manning out, and Manning has kind of leveled off. I get why he's in the lineup. I just got to get him away with, from Ghost, because Ghost is supposed to be one of the Flyers' competitive advantages. Having him on the ice is one of the things that helps them win games. And, and when yeah. he's with Andrew McDonald, it seriously hinders his ability to do that. Well, yes. the, the, the
1: competitive advantage by putting him with McDonald is basically you're saying, help us survive Andrew McDonald. Like whether, whether that's the intent or not, that's what it turns out to be, is like, Ghost. Please let us survive the 15 minutes that Andrew McDonald will play. That's pretty much been Ghost's job most of this year, as unfortunate as that sounds. And it sucks for Ghost because you want to see Ghost unshackled and you want to see him, you know, making plays so that have to worry about cover for a guy. But if you got to play McDonald, like who else do you put him with? If you put him with Proveroff, you have the same problem. You- the, the beat writers.
2: Put, just go with five. Screw it. Just go with five, five. Dress dress an extra
4: forward. Throw for, for a Raffle on defense uh, so, or something. Anybody. So
2: against Boston, Claude Giroux did as I predicted and broke his goalless streak, which stood at nine games. Uh, he wasn't. Still he wasn't. But was it one, at are are
4: even we? strength? Nope.
2: It was nope. not at <laughs> even Doesn't strength. Count. Does it
4: count? <laughs> nope. Still
3: but
2: uh, I, just, I just have a question to ask about Claude Giroux, I'm done criticizing him, because like, the smallest amount of criticism drives people into an uproar on both sides, and then I end up having to defend the guy against the crazies for whom I think I speak, but then they're so over the top, I realize, no, I don't. Like that, the most heated after I tweeted that thing about him having the same point totals over a certain span (laughs) as Andrew McDonald, the most heated discussion I had was with a guy bashing Drew, and I ended up sticking up for. I was like, "You're wrong about this!" Like it was unbelievable how over the top that stuff. So I'm done criticizing him. Drew is who he is. He's a very good offensive player. Uh, I have to ask though, who is more valuable to the team right now? Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, who is Voracek? Oh, it's a tough question. Uh, I, I think Voracek, and, and um, I'll just go by
1: when in the off season we did a um, for hockey graphs. We did a ranking of like the, what we thought to be the top fifty players in the NHL, and I ranked Voracek over Giroux. I had Voracek, I think, in like the like late twenties, and coming off and the I year did,
2: Voracek had yeah, last year, still,
1: still, that's incredible. Yeah, the the thing with Giroux is that he is by far the best power play forward they have. Voracek is significantly better at even strength the equalizer here and this is the frustrating part about what they're doing is If Giroux was still playing on the penalty kill a lot, I may say Giroux is more valuable Okay, because Giroux has been so good on the penalty kill, but they're not using him there. So there's a significant part of the value that Giroux could provide this team that he's just not getting to use because he doesn't play on the penalty kill much where he used to be elite. Like he used to be... Giroux, when he was at his best, when he was, in my mind, one of the top 10 best players in the NHL, he was one of the best power play forwards, one of the best penalty kill forwards, and then a very good even strength guy. Now he is a good even, even strength guy, still one of the best power play forwards, and he doesn't play the penalty kill much at all. So, yeah, I would I put forward would check above him at okay. this point.
4: I would say Giroux. Just for all of the reasons that you kind of just mentioned, it still exists.
1: It's still there, yeah. It still yeah. exists.
4: He, he will... hasn't declined to the point where he's no longer a good hockey player in all situations. they no. so He's just not
2: using him I, that way. I tend to value a center higher than a winger, in pretty much all situations, however, Jake Voracek's line was the best line on the team when he was away from Claude Giroux. And to get Giroux going again, they put Voracek with him. I think they need. I think they need Voracek, perhaps more than Giroux at this point, because you need Giroux, and Voracek brings out the best in Giroux.
4: Okay, I get. The logic, I don't love it because insert anybody else instead of Jake Voracek and you can get, have somebody else light Giroux on fire.
2: It hasn't worked though.
4: I'm, I'm not necessarily saying someone that's on the team right now. Okay, I, I'm saying someone else who is a highly productive winger, which we don't necessarily have. Maybe a Travis Konechny. Who knows? This is my my three seconds of I freaking love that kid. Travis Konechny, but it may not have to be Jake Voracek to, to spark Giroud is all I'm saying.
1: The big question to me is just how much you value the power play. Because, mm. like, goals are like, goals. Like, Giroud like, is I say so that, but... good on the power yeah. play that you can make an argument that he's just so valuable there that he surpasses Voracek in overall value to the team solely because Giroux is the engine that makes this second-in-the-league power play go, whereas Voracek is just a piece. Like, he's there, and he gets points, but he is not what makes that power play what it is. Okay. It's called Giroux. So that if you're going to make the case that Giroux is more valuable than Voracek, you're basically saying that, like, as you said, goals are goals. They rack up a lot of goals in the power play, and Giroux it's is the reason why though. they rack up all those goals.
2: It's predictable. It's, 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 it's predictable those, they score a lot of goals. I was reading those <laughs> comments today, and there was actually one comment that was really smart. Like in the last decade, has there been a more predictable power play than Washington's? And Ovechkin scores fifty goals every year. I guess the last thing I want to get to because I promised at uh, Fly Josh ninety one that I would get to his uh, listener question. Uh, he sent it to me on Twitter the other day. wanted to get to this. He asked, I, uh, I really can't figure out what, what I would rather have. Considering Weiss's play or lack thereof, would you rather have him with Umberger bought out or Umberger just this year and the money freed up at the end of the year? If you choose Weiss, it costs 3.8 million cap space with 1.8 of that being Umberger's buyout. Next year plus two more years of the next... Uh, would you rather have the money freed up after Umberger this year, or the Umberger buyout plus Weiss?
1: I don't know. And and I've defended Dale Weiss. I, I, I think he's driven play very well, specifically in the neutral zone this year. I don't think he's been nearly as bad as some people act like he is. He just hasn't been scoring, which sucks. But he scored well in the past. And that could come with time. It very well could. If he can score more like a third liner rather than a low and fourth liner, then it's looking like you know decent value this year. But four years is a lot of term for that guy. Yeah, he, just he just, it's a lot yeah. of term. And yeah, having Umberger this year would, would suck. And the one thing you do have to take note of is that if Umberger was on this team this year, then the cap issues they were dealing with would be even worse. Mm-hmm. So this year could be a disaster. Like Lubimov, probably not here. If if Burgers here okay. because there's just no okay. room. That's a good point. Like so I think I still might see it's hard because I you, just hate do, that contract. Do you take the pain this year to not possibly have a bad a sort of bad contract for the final two years of Whis's deal? It's not a it's not a slam on question, and okay. I'm I'm a Whis defender.
4: Well he has scored a goal since our last podcast, so you do have to learn how to say his name now. <laughs> okay. he, he actually I think does I said it right the first time I you read did, it. you did. The second time yeah, was not, but you know it's only one goal all so right. we'll get there that's
2: that's pretty much all the time we have uh i got to just i have to have my gushing over wayne simmons moment uh, in case anyone's wondering we're more than a quarter way through the season he's on pace for 38 goals which is i'm pretty sure a lot also i want to shout out uh my old my old high school clearview uh clearview regional high beat washington township on monday that's a huge win hot damn uh yeah Township Go sucks uh, Screw you guys We never beat them My entire time there We never beat Township And that was That uh, was the rivalry It was crazy They also won their charity game Against Black Horse 7 uh, nothing tonight So great for you Clearview uh, Coach Walk You seem to be doing a great job My name is Bill Mats. This is B- BSH Radio Follow us At BSH underscore radio Have a great week Phil. Woo!
3: Woo! 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 Pirates
0: Play a sport called hockey. We're gonna talk about the hockey team known as the Flyers. Score a goal, the Flyers, win the game, Flyers. Score a goal and then win the game, the Flyers. Thank you very much for turning on this show. In case you didn't know, it's Broad Street Hockey Radio. Hello, I'm
2: Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I wanna tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart.